The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, my next guest uh, has a voice and a name lots of you will know well because I, I know many of you were fans of the podcast, The Witness in His Own Words with uh, Nicola Talent. Um, his name is Joey O'Callaghan and uh, his testimony helped to convict uh, gangsters Brian Kenny and Thomas Hinchin for the murder of Jonathan O'Reilly outside Dublin's Cloverhill Prison back in 2005. And the reason Joey is with me today is because he is supporting this uh, piece of legislation, the Criminal Justice Engagement of Children and Criminal Activity Bill. Uh, and what that is, effectively, is a bill to help tackle the scourge of of grooming young children in certain areas and um, uh, this this happens more often than others uh, into a life of crime and it is something Joey knows all about. Joey you're welcome to studio and thanks a million for taking the time to, to chat to us. Um, in terms of your own experience uh, you know w- w- with what this bill is is, is seeking uh, to deal with tell us a little bit about how, how Brian Kenny came into your life. Firstly I think it's going to be a vital piece of legislation for for the guards. It'd be a vital tool in their arm against these crime gangs, organised crime gangs, and people like Brian Kenny and Thomas Henson. That um Brian Kenny was himself, he was the one that groomed me. Um I was about eleven years of age, wasn't doing great in school, um moved to a new area and it's quite a bit isolated, didn't really know what was happening. Um, I was quite young. And um, Brian Kenny knocked on my door one day and he was the milkman. And I uh, cheekily asked him for a job, seeing the other lads on the back of the on the, on the back of the truck. And yeah, I literally just wanted a few quid, like just to keep myself out of trouble and you know what I mean, just just to uh, yeah, just to get on with things. But um, unfortunately, um. Brian Kelly was delivering more more than just milk. He was delivering heroin and committing robberies and stuff like that. It was which nothing I knew. I didn't know anything about at the time. It was just it was just going collecting the milk money from the doors and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I was really excited. Everything was really positive to be honest. How, how long into it before Brian Kenny got you involved I'd, in the other stuff? I'd say about two months, two to three months. What happened was I was just collecting the money on, on the weekends. Most people be familiar f- familiar with it. Friday, Saturday, you knock on the doors. Yeah. Have you got your milk money, your bill, whatever, and run back to the van, give Kenny the change, and back on the back of the truck to the next house. But then um, I came to the summer holidays and Kenny had said to me he needed um, someone to deliver the milk. No, I'd never delivered the milk and I'd never met the lad that was there before me. So um, I wasn't... I didn't... I, I, I wasn't doing good in school, so my mother wasn't going to allow I knew that from the beginning, but um, chanced my arm, spoke to her, made promises that I'd be good in school. I was really excited um, with extra few quid from me, and um, she agreed to it. And then it happened real quick. Ch- things changed real different. Mm-hmm. In the daytime, it was different when there was other lads there and other people, but at night time, it was just me and him alone. And... Um, yeah, I'd I'd say within within a couple of weeks of delivering the milk, I'd put my first bag of heroin through a door instead of like he brought the point of milk to the door, but he also told me to put the heroin through the door, and I wasn't he didn't just tell you it was how he told you, so like we were sitting in the van, I remember it was in Fort Lawn in Blanchestown, and um, he said you know the corner house over there, yeah, he says when you're bringing the milk to the door, he says put this through the letterbox, and I said put what through the letterbox. 
because I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. And uh, he said, open your hands, so I opened my hand and he shoved this package. But it felt like stones. I'd never seen actual heroin before in its form. Yeah. I'd only ever seen it, like, like you know, you see tinfoil lying plates or needles and yeah. stuff like that. I'd seen that growing up in Ballymun, but I'd never actually seen the actual. So I didn't know what it was at first. Mm. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't that naive either to know that. I knew, straight away I knew it was bad, like. And he was like, put it through the door and make sure it goes through the door. And he got real aggressive and it was a sign. It was a, it was a, a bit of him I'd never seen before. Mm. But he was always, I was the best helper, I was the best boy, I was the best at everything. I was real fast and yeah, I was, I was the best at everything. Where this was, do you understand what I'm telling you? Get to the fucking door, put the, put it through and make sure it drops. So I remember going to the door and I, I put the milk down, I lifted the, the letterbox, the flap on it. And as I put it through, I didn't get a chance for it to drop really, I don't think. I just remember the man running and grabbing it as I put it through. And I got the fright in my life and I ran back to the van. And as soon as I got into the van, like he locks the doors and he's starting shouting at me, did you do it, did you do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I said, I don't know, I put it in like. And he said, how do you know he got it? I said, because he was literally, he caught it before it even dropped like. The yeah. guy had obviously been up waiting on like, waiting for, waiting for Kenny to come. And that was it. From that minute onwards, it was literally... Yeah, it was literally hell from that minute onwards. And you know all that stuff he was telling you, you're, you're the best lad, you're so quick. I mean, in hindsight now, you, you know what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when when you look back now, when do you think he kind of identified you and thought, uh, and when do you think the grooming started? What Was it the day he knocked on the door and you asked for the job or, or was it when you were on the float or when was it? The minute, he, the minute I opened, so what happened was I was going to school and I was, I was from Ballymun and I moved to Blanchestown. I'll just make it brief because it's obviously it's all in the podcast yeah. and the book. And so basically I moved from um, Ballymun to Blanchestown. I went to school. Nobody liked us. I was getting into fights. I was from Ballymun. People were saying, oh, he's a scumbag. He's from Ballymun. Don't hang, don't hang around with him sort of thing. So I was fighting, getting into trouble, so and so. So on my lunch break, I lived so close to the school. They used to send me home for the half an hour. This was in like fourth class. Mm second class, third class. And so I'd go out the back gate and I'd go to my house. My ma would be in work in Blanchetown Hospital and my sister was in the army, my little sister, would, there'd be no one at home. So my sister worked in the local shop so she'd come over and make me some lunch. I'd have my lunch and then go back to school. Then he knocked on the door. When he knocked on the door, he literally got from the front door through the sitting room, through the dining room and he was in the kitchen. And I never remember how it just happened so fast. He was just talking and he was real charmer. He, we got into the kitchen and he basically said, like, why are you doing here? Like, why, why are you here? Like, and, like why, where's your man all? And I said, well, man, I'm woke. I said, I got in trouble in school. And I think then he realised. When I told him I came from Ballymun, he was obviously selling drugs in Ballymun. He was obviously had a business going out there. He had a business in figures selling drugs. And he was selling it in Blanchestown. So I think straight away, probably to him, I just thought, here we go. Like, I have... I have that's, that's when it started. This is, this is like... This, I don't know where... This is it. This is it. Like, this is me. My victim, basically. Mm. And... From then, it was just literally non-stop. Like, it was um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was literally any time I was with him, it was selling drugs, dropping drugs off, doing robberies. He just had me everything. From that minute then, he was threatening me. From that minute. As soon as I'd done it, he said, if you ever tell anybody, I'll put heroin in your sister's car, I'll get your ma arrested, I'll put drugs in your house, I have friends in the guards. And, and what would happen was is he would... We would be driving around the estates and all, and the guards would be driving down the road, and he'd flash the light, then he'd get out and he'd talk to them. And then he'd get back in the car and say, see, they're my friends. So I'm telling you now, if you tell anybody, 
you're fucked, like, if you're forcing, you're done, like. And um, that was it, really. And then the abuse started happening after that then. Mm. The, the, the physical abuse, like, they hit me. Mm. Sexual abuse happened when I moved. Like, what well, happened fourth in the milk round, it didn't happen a lot more when I lived in the house. And it just took me into a world where I just never knew existed. Like, I just got so trapped and I was... I don't know whether I was naive because I came from Ballymun, I kind of seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, like, I'd seen a lot of... Yeah, I'd seen a lot of stuff, but it's just was... i never seen that sort of world. Like, I never... I was never... I never felt so trapped in my life. And it wasn't even myself at first. It was just more when when they're threatening... When he's threatening your family and he's threatening your, your little sister and your your ma and these... And you're, you're afraid, like... And then you're afraid... Yeah. Like, what... What have you hurt one of them? And then I seen him do it. Then what happened was, like, I seen him beat people, hit them with machetes, beat young lads like me that owed them money. I seen him doing these things, so then I was like, it's, it's gone from a threat to actual yeah. seeing it. And then you're, you're caught in this world, and I was caught in it. And how, how long did it take you to realise or to accept you were a victim? You know, was, was there a period after you started delivering the heroin where you kind of thought you, you were still kind of, I don't know, not on a par with Brian Kenny. Like, he was much older than you. He was obviously the boss. He was threatening you, as you say, locking the door, shouting in your face. But, you know, I, I suppose, how long did it take maybe to, for you to realise that this is, this is to- I'm caught up in something that is totally, totally perverse here. This is really wrong. When they murdered Jonathan Royal. That moment. Yeah, I was, till then I was just on automatic. He'd been, I, that was about 11 when I met him. I'd say by 12 he was filling me full of cocaine. So I was on a diet of cocaine and living in his house. And you, you didn't, I wasn't, all I was doing was function. Mm. I was, the milk round was gone then. It was just all out drug dealing. So literally I, he had me up in an attic room. There was an attic room in his house. And literally there was just a bed and there was no TV around. I just had a table, two weighing scales. And then I'd, I'd be sitting there all night bagging the drugs, the heroin or the cocaine. And then there was two phones, a work phone, like to be a work, to call, he called them work phones. Like it was literally like a business, this, but that's, to him it was. One for cocaine, one for heroin. And it was just, I just lived on, you lived in your nerves, you lived on fear and you lived, yeah, I was literally eating cocaine while he was, and sleeping tablets, like not sleeping tablets, he would give me, he would give me cocaine and he would give me Valium and stuff like that when it suited him, like. Yeah. And, but it wasn't until after the, like even when, even when they got convicted, I remember being in the hotel in Lucan after and everyone was excited and screaming and shouting and cheering. Mm. And for me, it wasn't like that because I was lying in the room and there was a guard at the door and I kept thinking, oh my God, I'm after getting him convicted. He's in jail. I was worried about him. It wasn't until 2016 until... To help Nicola Talent, um, I, I wrote my book with and done the podcast. Got me to the Priory in England. I spent a year there. Mm. Then I realised. Then I stopped worrying about him. Yeah, then and he still, even after you helped to convict him, he still had a hold. Over yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm. it was crazy. Like it was. Now I know it's sad. Like he had a bit of emotion talking about. It. It's sad for myself now. Now I think like why, why was I worried about him? Look what he done to me. Like he would beat me with sewer rods, lock me in the shed, like. The things he done were just cruel. Now I know it was cruel. Like, I don't do stuff like that. Like, I wouldn't... I'm just not that. Yeah. I, I'm not built like that. I was not a gangster. I wasn't a criminal. I'm not... It's just... Like, I, I wasn't going around throwing me weight around and saying... It just wasn't... I was just done what I was told. And, and I'd done it just to... 
just to survive. All I was doing was about survival and protecting my loved ones. And I'd worry you'd give the heroin, you'd be lying, you'd be lying in the room thinking, oh, what if they die? Like, and my fingerprints are on that packet. And stupid things. I was a child. I, didn't, I now I know how it works because I'm an adult. But yeah. back then, you just don't realise, and you're thinking, what if he dies? It's not my fault. If that man dies, or that woman injects that heroin and dies, I'm going to be responsible. And he'd tell you, oh, yes, you are. And I, I, I just, you just, you turn into a robot. That's what yeah. I did. I was a robot. And, you know, the, the, the temptation in some quarters when, 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 when we see kind of people up in court, and not necessarily the Brian Kennys mm-hmm. of this world, the, the Joey O'Callaghan's of this yeah. world, the temptation is, you know, people kind of think, and people who, and, uh, who had never been exposed to this type of world, you know, mm-hmm. they grew up in a completely different neighbourhood, yeah. different part of Dublin or a different part of the country, and, and they see you or your equivalent and they kind of think, ah, there, there goes another, there goes another scumbag. Yeah, yeah. You know. They just, yeah, just straight away they think, do you know what I mean? He was, he, he, he was getting something over, he was in it for the money. Yeah. Like, like the guards will tell you when they came to my house, it's in the podcast, I, I never realised that and I remember when they, when they took Kenny out, they took me into the house to show them everything and mm. the guards took me up to the room I was in and one of the guards said to me, <clears throat> Joey, where's your stuff? And I said, what stuff? He was like, your clothes, your, your, your like, have you got toys, do you have, where's your yeah. things, like, where's your, I was like, this is it. And I didn't realise how sad that was until, Afterwards, until I got yeah. till the priority and tested with that, these people straight away are going to judge. You see them in court, youngfellas going to court, and now it's a lot different. There seems to be, there seems to be a lot more money around, and there seems to be the the drug lords are working with these young people, and they're giving them money, they're giving them flash coats, cars. It was nothing like that for me. There was none of that. The, the, this kind of says a strange way to uh-huh. describe it, but it's like the business model has changed. Yes, yeah. No longer do we want to kind of nearly enslave yeah, Joey yeah, Callan. Yeah. We'll put him in a Range Rover yeah. and we'll give him the Canada Goose jacket and all 100%. this. 100%. And then the young lads will see him and think, I want to be like Joey. Exactly. And that's how they're doing it now. They've changed it around. Back then, obviously, it was more predatory. And that's why Kenny, he is a predator. And what he done to me was predatory. Mm. And it was. He, he did abuse me physically, mentally, and sexually. and uh, obviously, I wish it never happened, but but yeah, it's a completely different model now. It's a completely different way of of things. But I, I've said it before: a can of the goose jacket or a Range Rover won't save your life. No, bullet will go through it. So, um, if I knew what I knew then, obviously, I would never open the door, or I would never have took a job in the milk ground. So, how important is it then to go back to the 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 the, the bill um, that that you can do something to try and help the 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 younger version of yourself, you know what I mean, to stop them being groomed by the Brian Kennys of this world. It's just the thought, thought now, like I was thinking about it last night, obviously I knew I was coming here today, and the thought of someone, a child, I look, man, I have two children, and the thought of my son, he's the same, he'd be the same age, but he'd be a bit older than, than what I was, and the thought of him going through what I went through is scares the life out of me, and whatever I can do to me way behind this bill and if I mean that I could do an interview every day for the rest of the day in my life I'll do it because I think it'll be a vital bit of armour for the guards I think it needs to be used and I I understand why it's five years at the beginning I didn't I kind of straight away when they said will you meet the minister he's doing this new the le- le- legislation for five years to stop grooming and so I was like oh it's not enough I'm not going to go but then after I met him and spoke to him and understood mm. he's trying to catch them early and trying to break the cycle and even if you take them 
take the Brian Kennedy out, just take it, take them off the street for a year. You're giving that child a chance to get away from it and break free, like. But it's also generational. It can be family. It can be like a father can be a drug dealer, and it's going to go down from the father to sons. Yeah. To, to girls are selling drugs now. I've seen the thing in the paper the other day. Some girl had loads of drugs in her house, like. So it's not even just boys. Like everyone is, they're involved in that, and it's sad. But I think um, the new bill will will definitely be um, a great use for the guards and I hope they use it as much as they can. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, Joey, and thanks a million for coming into us. No problem. Thanks very much. Joey O'Callaghan uh, uh, is, uh, like I say, the feature of, of The Witness in his own words, the podcast, great podcast with Nicola Talent, and the book that he helped Nicola to write, uh, The Witness, as well. You can get in all good bookshops. It's a great read. The podcast is a great listen. And, Joey, thank you very much again. Thank you very much. Cheers. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.